Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, we are back. This is Steve Wilson, and we are continuing through the book of Matthew. We have now progressed up through chapter 27, verse 25. We're right in the midst of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They've just um, pretty much completed the trial and he is uh, about to be prepared for uh, for the cross. So here we go. We're up to chapter 26 and when we closed last time we were talking about uh, Barabbas and all the events that uh, transpired with regard to Barabbas and the fact that they put him up for uh, hoping the people would choose to release Jesus instead of Barabbas because Barabbas was such a terrible criminal. But the, uh, the chief priests and whatnot had convinced the people to actually choose Barabbas to be released. And we finished talking about verse 25. And he said, let his blood be on us. Because Pilate said, look, I'm not taking responsibility for this. This is all on you. And the Jewish people said, yes, it's all on us. So we are now into verse 26 where it says, Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So... Obviously, this occurred prior to the crucifixion. The event, of, we've talked somewhat about it before, the, the event where Pilate decided he was going to try and release Jesus and make the people choose between Jesus and Barabbas occurred at the feast. Now, if you subscribe to the fact that Jesus was um, crucified on a Friday, Here's the big problem. You know, you, we, we've already talked about it. it doesn't allow for a high Sabbath. It doesn't allow for the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. They, you only have the, the Sabbath, which occurred on Saturday, and the Passover, which occurred on Friday night. Well, obviously Jesus was not part of that, and yet we know Jesus was part of a Passover feast. But also you have this issue with Barabbas. The only place that you have... If you hold to that that um, scenario where Jesus was crucified on a Friday, the only place, the only feast you have is the Passover feast that occurred on Friday evening. Well, the problem with that is 
it says Barabbas had, you know, this occurred with Barabbas at the feast. So now you're into Friday night, which technically you're into the following day because the Jewish calendar started the day at six o'clock in the evening and went to the six o'clock the following evening. So you're now actually into the Sabbath. You have the Passover feast, uh, you know, in the evening, and then the next day, of course, you celebrate Sabbath. So now you have this issue where you had to have the, the event with Jesus and Barabbas occur at the feast, and now you are... Um, now you're getting ready to crucify Jesus. So now you're crucifying Jesus late Friday night at best. Well, when it comes, you know, one of the things it talks about in Scripture that the Friday people um, talk about is that they wanted to take Jesus off of the cross. Uh, so they came to break his legs because they wanted it done before the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath is already occurring. So they're trying, you know, on one hand, they're trying to do something before the Sabbath, and yet he can't even be put on the cross until the Sabbath. So you have this conflict, this unreconcilable conflict, if you hold to the Friday scenario for the crucifixion. And then, you know, you have, so this Barabbas saying just really is uh, somewhat of a sticky wicket, as they say in England. Um, it's something that just it throws a wrench in the works. You just can't. It, it doesn't fit. The timing doesn't fit. So anyway, then in verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered to him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, put him on, and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns. They put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. You know, that's what sinners enjoy doing. They enjoy mocking Christians. They enjoy mocking our beliefs. They enjoy, I mean, they can't do anything about Jesus. History proves he existed. All these events are verifiable even by secular history, his, historical processes. There's no doubt Jesus um, lived and Jesus was crucified. And yet Christ, um, sinners still try and mock us for believing that and, and mock us for, for saying that he died for our sins. Well, you know, that's where sin leads you. And, you know, that's that's where it's headed. You know, any time you get involved in any kind of sin, even as a Christian, folks, just a little sin, it's going to point you directly to bigger sin. It's heading you down the road of outright rejection, of denial of Jesus Christ. That's, that's its end goal. So even if you're a Christian and even if you believe you can't lose your salvation, as I do, you can lose your testimony and you can end up allowing doubt to come into your life and doubt causes problems. I mean, that's the direction of sin. Another problem that you have here is it kind of it says in verse uh, uh, 31, uh, and after that, and after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and 
put on his, and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. So you get this issue of, of the robe and, you know, there are, uh, there are other things. There's the crown of thorns. There's the cross itself. And later on, you hear it just talks about his garments that he wore. Um, you know, I don't know what all he had on, but you know, these these are what we what became relics. In Catholicism, relics are a big deal, um, and you you hear you see all over the internet and Facebook and all the different places. Um, from time to time, they talk about different relics, and you see a lot of the uh, apostate, cultic, more cultic type people who are, are entrepreneurs, I guess maybe you might call them, talking about selling you splinters from the cross and different stuff like that, and, and people trying to commercialize the things of Jesus. But not only do they commercialize them, in, in their heyday, the Roman Catholics would gather these relics and they still do and there's there's rumors as to what relics they may possess that are in some vault or catacomb or something in Rome of things like the robe and whatnot that they may possess and have kind of squirreled away from society but you know there's a time when you know people would worship these relics they would put them on display and people would travel to Rome and and go to the Vatican and and pay and get in line to be able to walk through and and see or touch or feel a relic of some sort we as human beings just kind of have a tendency to uh, to do that kind of thing to worship relics and maybe even special events you know I think I've probably mentioned before why Jesus um, from time to time would say, look, don't, you know, he would do something, you know, perform a miracle or something. And then he would tell everybody, look, don't, um, don't spread this around. Don't make a big deal out of this because my time's not yet come. He didn't want the people to do what happened when he, you know, made the triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem and then, and they praised him and all that. And then a few days later, you know, he's crucified now. You know, he knew that was going to be the end result. And so he told the people, look, don't make an issue out of this. Don't go around telling people who I am just yet. He says, it's not time for me to publicly proclaim who I am because, they're, you know, the end result is they're going to, you know, they're going to betray me. They're going to turn on me. The Jewish people he knew weren't going to accept him as a whole. And... Uh, they were going to end up taking him to the cross, which is exactly what happened here after he made the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and, you know, made the proclamation that he was indeed the Messiah. So, you know, this whole relics and, event, and you know, you know pe people wanted to say, you know, I met Jesus, you know, and, and I, I've talked, I think maybe I've talked about the fact, of course, Jesus never married. I mean, and can you imagine what would happen if somebody could actually be a, de a physical descendant of Jesus? What we would have done with that? So anyway, th this whole idea of what people do with relics and with Jesus and the things he did, and uh, we see people trying to, 
you know, these miracle healers and all that kind of stuff, trying to claim that they're apostles of Jesus and they have this special ability and they lift themselves up and um, make money off of these things. That's that's human nature. That's that's the um, sinful bent that we have as uh, human beings to take advantage of things and of events and of situations to uh, self-proclaim who we are and to um, benefit from it and uh, gain wealth from it, you know, and turn, turn the love of God and the things of God into something that they're not. But, you know, what I'm trying to establish here when I talk about sin and the things that are anti-God, they all point towards the ultimate rejection of Jesus Christ. And if even if it can't affect your standing before God as a saved individual, it'll affect the standing of others. So we're at verse 32, and as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of a skull, uh, they gave him vinegar to drink with, uh, mingled with gall, and he tasted thereof, uh, and he would not drink. So, first of all, Simon, Cyrene, they got him to bear the cross of Jesus, and I'm sure you've heard sermons about this before. And there's a song that says, should, should Jesus bear his cross alone? You know, we're called to be his followers, and we are called to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, and we know that there's a price for doing that. But folks, as Christians, that is our calling, to bear the cross of Jesus and let people see that we are there to serve him, that Simon was a perfect picture simply of serving Christ by bearing the very cross upon which he died. And that's what we're called to do. And then they gave him vinegar mingled uh, with gall to drink. Now, I'm sure you've never tasted that, but and I've never tasted it, but I can assure you it's a nasty taste. I tasted vinegar. Um, and, I, you know, what, what I see here, obviously, is the taste of sin when Jesus is on the cross. You know, he took our sins upon him. He became sin for us and bore them to the cross and died in payment of those sins. And so the last thing he knew here on this earth was the fact that he died for the, our sins, that, that he became a sinner. And God literally turned his gaze away from the Son of God. And one of the last things on the cross is, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, the, the, the horror of sin is that it separates you from God. God can't look upon sin. God does not accept sin. He only accepts repentance. He can wash away sin. He can make you clean because Jesus Christ died for us. Um, but sin is a bitter life to lead. It paints a pretty picture and it makes you think you're in joy. And I have a whole story about that I, I may have told before, but I, I don't have time now. But sin makes you think you're enjoying life when in fact you're in misery. You can't know anything but misery if sin is really all you know. So, uh, 
We have progressed down through uh, verse 34. We'll pick up in 35 next time. We're out of time. So we'll talk to you when we come back. Goodbye and God bless.